Welcome to another Rightly Dividing podcast, where we explore the Bible in in-depth, looking for truth and not tradition. Today we're going to carry on our um, focus on Genesis, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, because it's important for leading up to this conversation. So in Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 17, it says, From this time Jesus began to preach, saying, the, saying to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what where this um, proclamation of Jesus comes in is after he faces uh, the temptation in the wilderness for the 40 days and he overcomes the power of Satan and he becomes victorious. Now he's going to start his ministry. And the very first thing Jesus proclaims is he proclaims that, that we are to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now repent means he's telling us that we need to change our minds about something. There's something wrong in our thinking that needs to be corrected. That's what repent means. Turn from that thought to another thought, that way to another way. And so Jesus <clears throat> says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is, where does he come up with this concept of the kingdom of heaven? Is that a new thing or is that um, found in the scripture? And so what what I believe he's talking to about is back in Genesis, because as I've been saying, everything starts in Genesis. So in Genesis uh, chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 26 through uh, 28, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So the first thing I want us to notice here is in verse 26, he says, let them have dominion. And then in verse 28, again, he repeats the, the, the saying, but he also adds another word. He says, God says, and subdue it and have dominion. So the concept of dominion and of sub subduing of other things is very much kingdom um, language. It's the language of a kingdom. Kingdoms have dominions, kingdoms subdue other things. And so this is where, where I believe Jesus is talking about. Because in the beginning, God created uh, a garden and he created this place, a special place, which was to be his domain, his place of rule, where God would rule. Um, so <clears throat> if we go over to Genesis 2... Verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it. 
I think if we're this is at least my logic and you can you can think about it with me and you may not have to agree with it but as we look back at Genesis um 26 and 28 when he talks about have dominion and have and subdue them we have to ask ourselves what was there now this is before the fall so this was God had just created the world and he says let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and then have subdue and have dominion over again all the the creation well <clears throat> i want to suggest that <clears throat> that um let me see i'm trying to find my spot here so back up in verse 21 it says, and every wing fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and blessed them, and said, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, the fowls, the fowl multiplied in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And then he goes on, 24. He says, And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and saw God saw that it was good. There's the phrase I'm looking for. And God saw that it was good. After every completed act of creation, God says it was good. And so we're still on the sixth day, but there's a break here that I see because God's saying it was good. But now he goes on, and then we, as we continue down in at the end of the chapter, verse 31, he said, and behold, it was very good. Now, since... God created man, and he says it's very good. I believe that verses 26 through 31 is not just addressing the whole creation, but actually the creation of the garden, as we find in Genesis chapter 2, where God put man, verse 15, and God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so, then what we also realize in the story, as we haven't got there yet, but if you're somewhat familiar with it, Adam and Eve sin, and, and because of their sin, they get, they get cast out of the garden. And that's not as good as being in the garden, because in the garden, there's the tree of life, there's the river, and there's the presence of God. And so, outside is death. And so, there seems to be this picture that Genesis creates of the earth being created as a very good place, I mean, as a good place. But then God creates a special place within the earth called the garden, and that place is a very good place. And so Adam and Eve's job as being placed into this is to be helpful with God, stewards of God, to act in his image, uh, as image bearers, to take that garden and cultivate it, or to keep it, to cultivate it, and so that the garden would grow so that it would end up covering the whole earth. And uh, if you know the biblical story, that fits the biblical story, because that's exactly what um, Jesus was came to do, to bring the kingdom of God, not just to a part of the earth, but to the whole, whole earth. Now, he, Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, and this is God's kingdom. This is a kingdom. And this is the heart and the center of the kingdom is the garden. And if you have a kingdom, there can only be one king. 
there has to be a king supreme. There may be under lords, but there's only one supreme king. So what um, Adam and Eve chose to do was to usurp authority from God. This is what um, I think I, um, I probably explain this later in a later podcast, more go into detail. But eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't the fact that they um, they didn't know what was good and evil, and so they made the wrong choice. It was the act of saying, I, for myself, believe that I can choose what is right and wrong. And that is taking the authority from God, because only God can decide what is right and wrong. But humans have been doing this ever since. And so the humans were cast out of the garden, and they started um, reproducing until we come to Genesis chapter 11. And it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there, and they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for had they for mortar, and they said, Go to let us build a city and a tower who may reach unto heaven, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So they were these the humans, which originated from Adam and Eve, they journeyed out to the east and they found this place of Shinar. Uh this plain, and there they thought it was a good place, and they wanted to build this tower. Now, was the tower, did they literally believe it would go to heaven? Um, some cultures believed back then that the, the sky was like a hard dome, and so maybe they didn't think it was all that high, and they thought they could actually reach unto it. Um, but the idea here is that the tower was a defiance to God, saying, we can be as high as God. We can be as great as God. We don't need God. And God understood that. Funny thing is, as he says, the writer said, and the Lord came down to see the tower. It's like, we're going to build this tower clear up to you, God, and we're going to defy your authority. And, and, it's, and then it's so puny that God has to come down to it. And so let us go down. And then it says, uh, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And and they all have one language, and this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from the fence upon the face of, the whole, of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, um, it's the name of it is called Babel because the Lord did there confound their language of all the language of all the earth and from thence they did scatter abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So what we understand about this is that there was this single group of people that the hearts were set to unite together against God, and God said that's not going to be good. So He broke them up into nations. Now. These, na- this, these nations are not good nations. They're not nations that want to f- obey God, that want to follow God. They're a division of, of people who wanted to 
rebel against God. So now God has the, the earth, and he no longer has his kingdom there, but he has these other kingdoms that are in defiance to him. And so then we move just a little bit farther on the story. God's thankfully not done with us humans. In verse 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God says, I'm going to take this man, Abram, and I'm going to create a nation for myself. And this nation is going to be my kingdom. And, and, I, and I'm going to have a righteous man, righteous men as underlords of this kingdom. And through this kingdom, the earth is going to see how great it is when you follow God. And so, and through that, all the earth will be blessed. Well, you're thinking to yourself, that never happened, and you are absolutely correct. It never happened. We get to the end of the Old Testament, and we find utter failure of humanity. One thing that just, uh, it, it makes me upset, because it's, un it's injustice. And people who don't like the Bible, will condemn God, especially in the Old Testament. They'll condemn God for all the violence and all the evil that happens. And it's like, it's the most arrogant position of a human being to be in that place. Because the whole Old Testament is one story after another of man failing, man doing the wrong thing, making wrong choices. And th so to come to the end of the of the the story of the Old Testament and that come to the conclusion that God is bad is just, are you kidding me? Can't you, do you have your own pride stands in the way of your, of being able to feel convicted about how evil we humans truly are? Yes, God is involved in that, but thank goodness he is because if God hadn't, if God has two choices, he can either work with us evil people who are making bad choices all the time or just destroy us and start over. Well, he didn't destroy us, so he had to work with us. And so understanding why he's saying the things he says in the Old Testament is important because he's not doing it because he agrees with everything, but he's trying to at least temper the evil activities of humans. And so... um God was not giving up on his kingdom, and we see that because he called out Abram. But, like we said, it's, it turned into utter disaster. But in Job, which is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible, it says this in Job 19, 25, and 26. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the earth, stand at the earth, <laughs> I'm sorry, he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, so, in the oldest accounts of the Bible, it was understood that God would return as a redeemer and stand upon the earth. And he says, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. This seems to speak totally of a resurrection where Job believed that though he would die and his body would rot in the earth, the worms would consume it and it would be gone. One day in his flesh he would stand again and see this redeemer upon the earth. So, let's 
I want to move now to Matthew chapter 4, and I want to look at uh, 23 here through 5.3. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him a great multitude of people of Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. And seeing the great multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One thing I want us to understand is there is not two Gospels. There is only one Gospel. And Jesus preached the Gospel of the kingdom. That's the only Gospel there is. So if you just read the Gospel, you think you have to... That's just a shortened version of saying the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. So the real heart that I want to get to the in this lesson, in this message here, the, the, the thing I want to drill into our minds is God originally created a kingdom on earth. And it was man's original job to expand this kingdom to the whole earth. It was our job as human beings, as underlords, to help our God under his leadership, under his rules, under his righteousness, to lead the earth towards it being all very good. And that's actually, we're not even really that great anymore as an earth. We got so many problems. And so Jesus comes preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, which is what he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is returning. And so this is some choice you, every one of us has to be, has to make. There's all kinds of um, causes out there. There's all kinds of um, movements and, and nations and everybody wanting to do their own thing, just like at the, what happened at the Tower of Babel. But there's this one that was like the one that God called out of Abraham, called God's kingdom. And you have a choice. You can choose the myriad of kingdoms and of causes and of things out there, or you can choose the kingdom of God. But what I want us to see is so often the kingdom of the gospel is preached in this method, at least from my perspective, is that Jesus died for our sins, we buried and rose again, that he would save us so that when we die, we could go off to a distance place, outer space, somewhere that we know nothing about, but it, it would be a wonderful place. That's kind of the, the concept. The problem with that concept is it really doesn't fit, it doesn't fit the Bible whatsoever, because where our final destination is, is um, earth. We That's where God created us from. In fact, I didn't mention, I just kind of skipped over it, but in Genesis 2-7 where it said God formed man from the dust of the ground, the word um, there for man is Adam, and the word ground is Adamah, 
which, and I don't know, I'm not a Hebrew expert, so I'm not knowing if I'm pronouncing it right, but I, scholars have pointed this out, that we are actually created, we are earthlings. The, the root words are the same, from the earth to the humans. And we are created. And that's as Job said, he would see, um, he would be able to see the, the Redeemer standing upon the face of the earth. And so what I'm getting at here is our knowing your destination is so important. If you don't know what your destination is like, you will most likely be very ill-prepared. Uh, if you wake up in the morning and you believe it's Saturday and you go about your business and you think maybe your destination is the farmer market, but all of a sudden you get a call and it's Friday and they're calling you and saying, why aren't you in work? Well, you look at yourself and you say, I'm not, I'm not prepared for that destination. I'm prepared for the farmer's market. Uh, what if, what if you planned a vacation and it was, <clears throat> let's say in Florida. And so you are all prepared for the beach and you put all the clothes in there for the sunny weather and the beach. And you got down to Florida and it rained and was cold the whole time you'd be ill-prepared because you don't, uh, you don't know enough about your destination. And so if we believe our destination is this some far-off um, celestial, um, esoterical place that we have no concept of, like a disembodied place or whatever, non-physical place, any, in our minds, we, would, we, do, we have a very hard time rationalizing what that is. But if we believe that our destination is this earth, then we can then have a good concept of what the future world will be like, because it's going to be very similar to what uh, we do now. And unless that's troubling to you, I will turn to Revelation 21 and read for you. This is the end of the story. And I saw a new heaven and what? A new earth. Why a new earth? For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, saw, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So this verse, these verses here tell us that he's going to create a new earth and God's going to once again return to the earth, and he's going to dwell with us on the earth, and we are, he's going to be there with us, and we, we will be his people, and he will be um, our God. And then we go back to Revelation 5, 9. It says, And they sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals there, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by by." thy blood out of every kindred, every tongue, and every people and nation, and had us, now listen to this, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and where, what? And we shall reign on the earth. So I want us to stop thinking about dying and going to heaven. Yes, when we die, we're going to be in the presence of God. But the Bible is silent about this time from when we die to the time that Christ comes back. And we can speculate about that, but what we do need to focus on is 
that we're, what we're preparing for is not a place out in space, not a disembodied, esoterical place, but a, a reality of this earth. In fact, one atheist tweeted one time I read, he said, what if you get to heaven and you don't like it? And my response to that was, well, uh, if you like anything about the earth, if there's things you like about the earth, you're probably going to like heaven because it's going to be earth in perfection. And so um, this is where we are at. Now, God um, wants us to be good stewards in this kingdom. He, if If God allows the wicked human race that has carried on for so long in his kingdom, it's going to end up the exact same way as it did from the first kingdom. You know, if God created the, the garden and man rebelled and, and then he sent him out of the garden so it wouldn't pollute that, but and he says you're not coming back into the garden for, for the time being, and man made an utter disaster of this world. It is. It's an utter disaster. In every way, we are. everybody's complaining about something, fighting over something. There's wars, there's arguing, there's rioting, there's murders. It just goes on at how bad it is. And so if God's going to set up a kingdom, he can't set up a kingdom with those kinds of people. So the Sermon on the Mount, which I left off on Matthew chapter 5, 3, starts this um, sermon, and I would like to take the time, but we're getting long on this podcast, and so I'm just going to skip here real quick, but in verses 3 through 12, he talks about uh, people who are part of God's kingdom, who have the right attitudes internally, they're happy. And then he says in uh, 13 through 16, he talks about letting your light so shine before men. We are supposed to be good leaders, people that people look up to, and there are so many leaders who have failed us but we're supposed to be good leaders. And then it says, Matthew 5 through 17 through 47, Jesus is talking about the law and how good citizens are law-abiding citizens. We, we don't create our own laws. We, we follow the laws that are set for us and not try to justify ourselves. And there's an interesting proverb that it, it, Solomon sets out um, with in Proverbs uh, two one one through two. It says, "My son, if thou receive my words and hide my commandments with thee." So he's saying, "Look, you take the commandments of God and hide them with you, because." And when we think of those, we can think of primarily the Ten Commandments. Hide those commandments with you, but that is insufficient for life. You can't have a big enough rule book to uh, to determine from a rule book, what is right and wrong about everything. And the world has changed. We have technology. There are things that we are presented with that no humans have in the past. How do we deal with those things? And so his second verse is, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom. Take those laws, and from those laws gain wisdom, and apply the, thine, and apply thine heart to understanding. In other words, figure out what God wants, what his baseline rules are, and then from those rules, through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to give us to be our teacher, we can then figure out what is the right thing to do in this situation. And then in Matthew 6, 1-4, through 4, that we're not supposed to uh, do our good works. Now, this, uh, like our alms and stuff, 
before men, even though God, Jesus said that we're to show our good works before men. Here he talks about don't do it to glorify yourself. No one likes someone who's on an ego trip. Ego trip. Uh, you know, there are people on YouTube who want to do good things, but they're out doing it to try to make themselves look good. You know, they want to give money to people, and it's like, look how good I am. Look how generous I am. Isn't 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 a isn't it wonderful? And it's like, no, we're not supposed to bring glory to ourselves, but bring glory to God. Matthew 6, 5 through 18, Jesus goes into prayer. And the important thing about prayer is realizing that this world is too big for us. One of the things about being a kingdom person is you you can say, I don't have the answers to fix this world. Real, being humble enough to admit that. I do not have the answer. We sit around and we talk about how we could fix the world. We can. But what we can, what we do need to realize is that we need to be part of the the solution. We need to be behind God on the solution. And so being behind God on the solution is praying. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done upon the earth. And so we're recognizing it's his kingdom and it's his will that needs to be done upon the earth. 6, 19 through 20 he continues the point of, of prayer. And then Matthew 6, 24 to 34 is, I believe he's talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not about not doing work. It's not what it's not, what it is about is not doing work that will, I mean, not doing physical things. When I say work, I mean, it's not about stopping from actually producing energy or doing things like work, what we would call work or whatever, what it's talking about is stopping our efforts to try to provide for ourselves and realize that that is impossible. We don't create the rain. If we don't have rain, we die. And only God can bring rain. It's these type of things that we realize that our health, you know, we may get so sick that we can't work. Who's going to take care of us? This is what the Sabbath is all about, stopping. And, of course, the Jews were given a day to, to put this kind of into a, temp, uh, a physical practice, a, a thing, a tangible, that's where a tangible practice so that they can remind themselves that it is God who is the ultimate provider. And um, Jesus said that, seek ye first, here he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. That's the Sabbath principle. Then in Matthew 7, 1 through 12, how to be a good judge. He talks about judge not lest you be judged because you're first supposed to ju judge yourself before you judge your brother. Because if you don't judge yourself, you're going to have a you're going to be a hypocrite. And no one likes a hypocrite for a judge. Matthew 7, 13 through 27, it closes the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all about there being one way to heaven, one Lord, and he's the only Lord. And there are many people today that say they're following Jesus, they're doing what Jesus wants, but I guarantee you they're not following the Lord of the Bible. They're, they have their own ideas about what God wants. They're, they're twisting the scripture, and they're creating their own authority, and one day Jesus is going to look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. He says, in that day they will say, in that day they will say to me, Lord, Lord, because before they don't, he's not their Lord. And so then they will, they will say, Lord, Lord, but he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So the kingdom of heaven started in Genesis chapter 
one, and actually it's the it's fleshed out in Genesis chapter two of this garden where God intended hum as a as a um, command center, a a center of a hotbed for God's kingdom, and it's from this ki- this place that man was supposed to uh, cultivate and grow and uh, be- bring dominion and to subdue the rest of the world, and they they failed, and we failed and failed and failed, and so Jesus comes along and says, well, the person who can bring the kingdom, which is himself, because of the death, burial, resurrection to save us so that we can be righteous people enough to be in his kingdom, and that's that's part of the gospel, but the whole gospel is we're not, he didn't just save us, he saved us to be stewards of his kingdom. If you're not interested in being part of his kingdom, then you're then salvation, you can pray all you want and believe you're going to heaven, and in fact you're not, because what you're not wanting to be part of his kingdom. You're just wanting an escape from hell. And so, because everybody who doesn't get in, entered into his kingdom gets cast out of his kingdom, and that's hell. And so, this is the story that we find from Genesis. This is where Genesis creates the storyline that we're to follow through the Bible, and Jesus comes to fulfill that storyline in preaching of the kingdom of God. Thanks, I know this is a little longer, and I probably was very passionate about it, but hey, this is important. It's important, and, and you can't just listen to this and stop. It's you, you need to think about this for days, for weeks, and for months. And I guarantee you, if you do, the way you think about the world and your life is going to change. And like I have always said is, this, your life is won and lost in your mind. If your mind is thinking right, you're going to have victory. And if your mind is not thinking right, you're going to have failure. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Tell other people about this, but I would appreciate it if you'd share it. Um, it costs a lot of money for me to advertise, but by word of mouth, is free. And if you found it to be valuable, then share it with others. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.